Well, I have one announcement for you to start out, and that is that I am not Greg Boyd. Was anybody confused about that? I got to tell you two things about that, because it says Greg Boyd on the front of the program. I'll tell you who I am in a minute, but the deal is that a lot of people come to Woodland Hills Church, and when they look at the front of the program and it doesn't say Greg Boyd, they leave. And so I said, hey, let's just leave it on there and we can maybe trap some of the people. Hey, where are you guys going? Where are you going? Where are you going? And the other thing I want to tell you is that I thought, since I, I, I kind of am Greg Boyd, because that's what it says on the program, that I would wear tennis shoes. And I've never preached in tennis shoes, but I was kind of getting used to it. You know how Greg does all these little things? I found out you can do it a lot easier if you're not wearing high heels. So I'm going to tell him to try it in heels one time, though, and we'll just see what happens. You know, he'd probably do it, is what I'm thinking. Maybe we could put Sandra Unger on the front, and then he could wear high heels. But you guys talk to him about that. Who am I? My name is Sandra Unger, and I was the first community pastor here back starting in 1997 for a few years. And uh, in the last few years, my family's moved into the East St. Paul and started a ministry called The Lift. We have a, a little neighborhood church, and we work with uh, teenagers and kids in the inner city. So that's who I am, and that's what I do. Thank you. But it's good to be back here. This is, still, this is the place I, I preached my first sermon. And so it always feels like home. My first sermon, I talked really fast like this, really, really, really high, and I, nobody had any idea what I was talking about. And so Greg coached me a little bit so that I would slow down. So we'll see how I do today. It's been 10 years. All right, a couple of announcements before we jump into the Word. If you're a visitor today, I hope you were blown away. Uh, it's a good day to be visiting. You can fill out a little card in your program. If you'd like more information, you can go to the visitors table in the, or I guess it's the information table in the gathering area, and they will give you a free CD or tape of a sermon. You can find out a little bit more about Woodland Hills Church. Uh, please turn off pagers and cell phones. We've been saying that for over 10 years. People still don't do it. Let's do it together. <laughs> we also turn off our children before this part of the service. If you have children who want to be really happy or unhappy, there's happy rooms, we call them now. Uh, if you go through into the gathering area, you'll find those doors and you can still look into the service. A couple of announcements of upcoming events. If you're in your 20s and you're trying to get connected, this is a big church, sometimes hard to find people in your stage of life. March 3rd at 7 p.m., we're going to have a Life Challenge gathering and that'll be in the north end of the building in the Youth Worship Center. Great opportunity this Thursday, February 22nd, to visit a mosque. If you want to find out more about uh, the Islamic faith and have some questions answered and you can get a tour, that happens this Thursday and you can check in your program for how to get signed up for that. Those are the announcements for today. Now, I've heard you've been going through uh, the book of Luke for a long time. So I, I just made a unilateral decision and we're going to finish it today. <laughs> it's going to take a while. Okay, I'm joking. I would be, never be asked back again because I know Greg has lots and lots more to say about it. We're going to take a look at the story of the leper being healed in Luke 5, 12 to 16. So let's take a look at that passage in Scripture. Luke 5, 12 through 16. Once when he, that's Jesus, was in one of the cities, there was a man covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you choose, you can make me clean. Then Jesus stretched out his hand touched him and said, I do choose, be made clean. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he ordered him to tell no one, 
Go, he said, and show yourself to the priest. And as Moses commanded, make an offering for your cleansing, for a testimony to them. But now more than ever, the words about Jesus spread abroad. Many crowds would gather to hear him and to be cured of their diseases. But he would withdraw to deserted places and pray. Today we're going to talk about touch, about labels, about exclusion, about Jesus and his radical inclusion, his radical touch. But first, let's pray. God, I thank you for your presence here in worship. I thank you for your presence in each of our lives. I thank you for your love for us. Today, as we look into your word and we look into the story about Jesus and the leper, I pray that each of us would see ourselves in that story, that we would hear from you, that we would come away with hope as we understand what your touch and what your healing power can do for us. And I lift each person to you. Some people are are feeling like lepers, are feeling broken and sick and excluded. And some are feeling more empowered, and some are feeling quietly desperate, and some are feeling lonely. For each person here, I pray that your Holy Spirit would meet them in that place and touch them where they need to be touched, and that that touch would have a miraculous effect on each person in the way that we see in the story of the leper. Do your work, Father. Do the work that only you can do. Bring your healing touch. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, what was going on back then? That's the first question. In the first century, leprosy, a terrible, terrible, terrible disease. There's actually a lot of parallels to AIDS today, or AIDS at least in the 1980s when we were very unsure about it and very unclear and everybody was afraid to touch, to look at, to be anywhere near a person with AIDS. This is what leprosy was, only probably worse because there was absolutely no scientific understanding in the first century. Lepers were completely excluded from society. On that first sign of leprosy, a person would be cast out of their community and would go to live on their own on the streets or in a leper colony. They ended up dressed in rags. No one would touch them. No one would get near to them. No one would get near to them, nearer to them than six feet. And if you were downwind, you wanted to be eight feet away. They lived in complete isolation from society, from community. They were called the living dead and said to be under the judgment of God, another parallel that we find to AIDS today. The law actually required lepers during that time to yell out, unclean, unclean. So if a leper was approaching a group of healthy people, If a leper, for some reason, had to pass through an area where there were normal folks standing around, they had to announce his presence. Unclean! Unclean! And then everyone would scatter. Can you imagine that level of social exclusion where you knew that wherever you showed up, everybody else was going to leave? Nobody would touch you. They had to cover their mouths when they spoke, even when they yelled unclean, because people thought they could catch leprosy from the breath of a leper completely ostracized, completely excluded. So this leper in Luke 5 that we find here would have approached Jesus and his companions in this way. He knew the rules. I have to yell unclean, and when I say that, everybody's going to run away. But I've heard things, he's thinking. I've heard things about this Jesus, and I'm just going to see. I'm going to take a risk. And so he approaches them. Unclean! Unclean. And I think that all of the people with Jesus hit the road. It's probably why none of the three Gospels where we find the story mentions the reaction of the crowd. Because I think the crowd heard the words, unclean, 
and took off. Except Jesus. So here's Jesus standing right next to this unclean, desperate, scaly man who maybe hasn't been touched in years, who maybe hasn't been closer than six feet to someone in years. And Jesus did what in that culture was absolutely unthinkable. Not only did he stay there when he saw the leper approaching, but he spoke to the man. And I can picture him grabbing the man's wrist and pulling it down from his mouth. Let's just talk. He touched the man. He touched the untouchable. He sent a message that said, you're okay with me. I'm not afraid of you. And when he touched him, when he reached out across that great divide, this man was healed. The leprosy left him. Now the interesting thing is, Jesus didn't need to touch him. Jesus had all sorts of different ways of healing people. And I'm picturing maybe saying, hey, okay, you go stand 25 yards down there, uh, 50, and close your eyes. This is the way the coward would approach healing. But Jesus was sending a radical message. He didn't have to touch him. So the touch wasn't just about healing. The touch was about something else really significant. He was saying to the leper, you're not an outcast. I'm not afraid of you. I see you differently than everyone else in society sees you. Now how often can we say that about Jesus? He looks into your life. He looks into the leper's life. I see you differently than everyone else in society sees you. That's the gift that Jesus gave to the leper that day. And that's the gift that he gives each and every one of us every day. I see you differently than everyone else sees you. The kingdom of God is here and you are invited. You are welcome. The kingdom, Mr. Leper, actually includes people like you. It needs people like you, the outcasts, the lonely, the broken, the hopeless, the helpless. This is the radical, inclusive message of the kingdom of God. It's open. It's welcome. Even the lepers, even the untouchables. You know, in that society, as soon as Jesus touched the leper, he was considered unclean. Just touching something that a leper touched would make you unclean. And here's Jesus, and we don't understand this quite today, to reach out and say, be healed, I do choose, and let me touch you. There's power in touch. Most of us can't heal physical ailments in this way. Some can. We don't see it so often today as we read about it in the New Testament. Greg has recently talked about that power of Christ to heal physical needs, and we don't diminish that. But touch is powerful in other ways, and we can see that in this story. There was way more than just physical healing going on. The touch of a person who hadn't been touched in years. It comforted, it reassured, it invited, it gave hope. Now, they didn't know this in the first century, but science tells us that touch triggers the release of endorphins in the brain that are more powerful than morphine or heroin. When you touch someone or when you're touched, it sets off a chemical reaction that leads to reduced stress, feelings of comfort, relaxation, loving feelings, contentment, energy, clarity, motivation, and optimism. And it's free! That's what a touch does. And you know what? When people aren't touched in the right way, they're going to find a way to get touched in the wrong way. And that might be violence. It might be inappropriate sex. But people need to be touched. If babies aren't touched, they die. There's been experiments that showed that. People need to be touched. It's powerful. It's healing. It's inviting and it's including. And it provides this high. It releases this feel-good hormone. And this leper, again, nobody's touched him in so long, was missing out. And when Jesus touched him, three things happened. First of all, he healed him. That's a big deal. 
Second of all, he sent a message of love and inclusion. The kingdom of God is for you. That's a big deal. And third, he gave him a high like he had never experienced before. And I'm thinking for him, that was a big deal. <clears throat> then he told him, don't go and tell anybody this happened. Now, normally when Jesus healed, there were like a bazillion people standing around. But I'm thinking it was just Jesus and the guy left. Everybody else split. And so he could tell him this. Don't go tell anybody this happened. Well, like a lot of us, the leper didn't obey. We find out in the Mark version of the story that he went and told everybody. He was kind of excited, kind of high at the time. He got so crazy, he went out and told everybody, and then Jesus couldn't even leave and go out in public. Can you imagine the word that was on the street? He can even cure leprosy. He can even make the unclean clean. He can heal the very worst disease, so there must be hope for me. I'm not a leper. There must be hope for me. And so everybody went running after Jesus, praying their own version of the leper's prayer. If you choose, you can heal me. Will you touch me? So that's what was going on in the first century. And like I said, we can relate that to some degree to AIDS, the untouchables, the outcasts, the people that produce fear just by being in their presence. And there's Jesus walking along, sees the leper, reaches out, touches him. So many things accomplished with that touch. So what does that mean for us today? What about now? The church, as we know very clearly at Woodland Hills, is called to be the hands of Jesus in a world that desperately needs to be touched. This world is filled with people, filled with people who desperately need to be touched. This auditorium is filled with people who desperately need to be touched. There's people out there and there's people in here who've been labeled unclean or contagious or unworthy or unacceptable. They might not yell unclean as they walk down the streets, but they have nonetheless been labeled. And the label screams as they make their way through the world. I'm, I'm hopeless, hopeless, worthless, pathetic, desperate, lonely. The labels are there. So what are those labels? that our society and unfortunately oftentimes our church attaches to those who are different from us, those who don't look like us, the outsiders, people who live differently from us, make different choices, maybe believe very different things, who suffer from frightening diseases, those who are poor, those who have different religious beliefs, maybe they're Hindus or Muslims, prostitutes, those with AIDS, people who are depressed, who have mental illnesses, who are physically suffering, those who are addicted to drugs or alcohol, teenagers in the inner city, anyone who's different from us. The world, and sometimes the church, wants to tell them what to yell as they make their way through. Okay, you, you're hopeless. You, you're a sinner. You're pathetic. You over there, you're dirty. And I think you're a terrorist. And you're worthless. And you're frightening. Nobody makes them yell the word. Nobody needs to. I want to tell you the story of a young man. This is Ricky. Ricky is 18 years old. Ricky's dad left the family when he was 10 years old. And he hasn't seen him since he was 12. 
And I want to tell you the sad news that when Ricky was 12, he did not personally know one single African-American male between the ages of 20 and 50 who had a stable life. He saw no role models to look up to and no hope, no vision of what he could be as an adult. He has five brothers and sisters and they moved around a whole lot just about every year while Ricky was growing up. He kept starting over in new neighborhoods and new schools. He started getting in trouble a good bit of the time in seventh grade, as you can imagine. It kept getting worse to the point that in high school he was fighting all the time. He was smoking and dealing weed. That's marijuana for you old timers. <laughs> Pot if you're somewhere in between. Ricky was hanging out with gangs. He was skipping school pretty much every day. He got expelled for a while in ninth grade for bringing a knife to school, permanently kicked out a little bit later on. After that, he was kicked out of his home. He was always, during this time, feeling guilty and fearful about where is my life going, but had absolutely no clue what to do about it. Well, <clears throat> Ricky found Jesus. And he found hope, and he found a community. And by the way, you need the community when you find Jesus. And Ricky's come a long way. But he still gets depressed sometimes. This is a long road out when you've had that kind of life. And he once said to me not too long ago, you know, if you think about it, there, there aren't a whole lot of reasons for me to want to live. This is the hopelessness at the age of 17 or 18. He's used to people being afraid of him when they see him. His label would be, dangerous, dangerous. Ladies, hold your purses and don't make eye contact. And this is what happens as Ricky makes his way through the world, that people see him and those labels immediately jump out wherever he is. So if he's in Target, the security guard's going to follow him. If he's in the mall, they're going to keep, keep an eye on him. If he's walking down Payne Avenue, don't hold the purse tight. Right? This is the label. Here's what's interesting about labels. I just absolutely find this fascinating. Science has shown us that probably, most likely, what they suffered from in the first century was not leprosy. The leprosy we know today as Hansen's disease is a very, very serious illness. It looks like the leprosy they suffered with in the first century was more like a series of skin ailments. So maybe psoriasis, maybe eczema, those kind of things. So the more accurate label for those lepers would have been, maybe they would walk down the street saying, dandruff, dandruff. Anybody want some eczema? Oh. Hey, psoriasis, big patch on the back of the head. Watch out. This is an accurate label, right? but they called them unclean and said you can't touch them and you can't live in community with them and they need to be cast out and excluded and they were wrong. And the label that we put on Ricky and kids like him of dangerous is wrong as well. But try to tell that to anyone. Try to explain that someone in Ricky's situation, the real label would be needs to be loved, needs a hug, needs to be touched, could someone bake me some cookies? I haven't had lunch yet and it's four. Could somebody help me out with that? 
but we just see dangerous, uh-oh, close the door and lock it. Ricky and many others here pray the prayer of the leper. Lord, if you choose, you can remove my label. You can clean up my past. You can make me whole. You can give me a purpose. And the church, this is the church's job. The church steps in with a touch and brings the healing power of Jesus. The church stands up in the world and says, that is the wrong label. The church says we are here to reconcile, to touch, to love. We are here to bake cookies and to hug and to open our doors. And we reject that label in the name of Jesus. Yes, we do. We stand together as the body of Christ with the mislabeled, the misunderstood, the sick, the dying, the suffering, the sinful, the hopeless, and we touch in the name of Jesus. We introduce you, we the body of Christ introduce you to a Jesus who has a different label, clean, clean, forgiven, forgiven, loved, loved, beautiful, beautiful. This is the label that comes from the touch of Jesus. And we are those called to bring that touch in the name of Jesus. Ricky cannot remove his own label. Let's just picture for a moment Ricky running toward a group of people who look like me. I'm not dangerous, I promise. You know, he's got the hoodie, he's got the do-rag. Okay, what are people going to do? Okay, I'm out of here. He can't remove his own label. He can't remove his own label. And it's not just Ricky. It's those labeled with any of those pathetic, worthless, lonely, desperate. We need the church. We need the community of Christ to remove the labels. That's the calling. The church needs to touch and unlabel and be the hands of Jesus to Ricky. So what about you? Some of us here fit into one of those excluded and labeled groups. Some of you right now say, yep, I know that label goes ahead of me. But what if you're not a person who wears an obvious label? What if you're sick or suffering or lonely or sinful or hopeless, but nobody knows? What if you look pretty good on the outside, but deep down, you're saying it quietly? Lonely, lonely, depressed, depressed, broken. Does anybody hear me? I'm broken. I, I need a friend. Does anybody hear me? In the Gospels, we find this woman with the issue of blood reaching up to Jesus' hem and touching his garment for healing. And because nobody could see her illness, she could do that privately. No one could tell that anything was wrong with her. Nobody ran screaming from her. And for many here, no one can see from the outside that there might be something broken on the inside. But is there anybody here, is there anybody anywhere who doesn't need to be touched? Some of us are just much better at hiding it. I'm going to tell you another story of a very different kind of person from Ricky who lived a very different sort of life than Ricky did. This is the story of a suburban woman. We might call her a happy white lady. <laughs> this woman was very, very different, as I said, than Ricky, actually a world apart. She grew up in a loving suburban family with two parents. Like Ricky, she had five brothers and sisters, but that's about the only thing that she and Ricky had in common. Her dad worked as an executive, was home every night for dinner. Mom was a stay-at-home mom who cooked stuff in the crock pot. High fat, what do they call them, hot dishes here would be appropriate. 
dinner together every night at 5.30, one of those spinny, lazy Susans in the middle of the table, green plastic uh, dining room chairs, very nice for the 70s. They watched the Brady Bunch together. They watched Mary Tyler Moore. They moved only one time before she was 18. She was on the honor roll. She never smoked or drank or did drugs in school. The worst thing she got in trouble for was having a messy room, and it, it was very messy, I've heard. So she grows up, this woman does, and on the outside, she has it pretty much together, other than the messy room. She's a goal-oriented achiever, trying to live up to family expectations to make sure dad approves of what's going on and, and all the brothers think she's okay. Longing for that approval. She had to dress well, had to make sure the neighbors, you know, approve of the furniture and the clothes and the kids' clothes and the lawn, had to have all the latest stuff. And she became a bit of a workaholic, needed to be needed by people. She had good jobs with increasing responsibility and important titles printed on business cards. And on the outside, the world, and most likely the church, would say, success, success. Don't run away when this person comes. She's good. Well, that's how much the world knows. This woman spent a decade fighting this life of striving and longing. On the inside, this woman, too, is praying the leper's prayer. Lord, if you choose, you can deliver me from striving, from workaholism, from shallowness. If you choose, if you choose, you can touch me and give my life real meaning. You can release me from this driving need to be right, to be accepted, to be best, to be important, to be approved. That's her leper's prayer. And she waits for the touch. Enter Ricky. You actually have to enter. This is Ricky. This is Ricky, who needed to be touched and loved and healed and affirmed. And this is Sandra, who needed to find meaning and depth and healing. Yes, that was me. I was the workaholic person with a messy room. Sandra and Ricky each had their time praying the leper's prayer. The prayer sounded a bit different, but the prayer asked for the same thing, a touch and healing and purpose and a new label. And God used each of us to answer the other's leper's prayer. Ricky lives with our family now. He, he eats a lot. And his friend Cortez lives with us, and he eats a lot too. And then their friends come over, and they eat a lot too. We love Ricky, and we affirm him, and we hug him, and he gets a drug fix from that hug that's much better than weed, or marijuana, or pot, right? <laughs> Ricky's done with drugs and with the skipping school. Actually, now he asks if he can skip school, and we feel like that's an improvement. And we say no. <laughs> he's done with gangs and violence. He's not perfect, but he's getting healed. And Ricky shows me what's important, 
in a way that is absolutely miraculous. Whose approval do I need in order to be called a success? God, Jesus, pick one. We'll do the Holy Spirit. Who does Jesus ask me to touch? Those who are excluded, those who are ostracized, those who are labeled, those who are outside community. New furniture and clothes, I just don't care. Important titles, I like this one. Ricky's friend. <laughs> I should put that on my card. Sandra Unger, Ricky's friend. It's just true. The calling is pretty simple, the calling to be. And my life is radically different. I say no to almost everything that comes my way because my job is to be in my community, to be in my house, so that when Ricky and when Cortez and when others come home from school, that I am physically present. And at 11 o'clock at night, when they need to talk about something, we sit down and we talk about it, and they eat. <laughs> I didn't give them a microphone, people. I know. Here's the interesting part, for those of you who lived a life more like mine, is that most people would say to me, and they have said to me, I can't imagine how Ricky would have ended up if he hadn't met you. And there may be truth there. But I actually get scared thinking about how I would have ended up if Ricky hadn't reached into my life and touched me. If I hadn't learned what's really important. <laughs> because everything is different. Because how I see resources and how I see time and how I see food it's going to keep coming back, dude. <laughs> and how I see furniture, it's just different because I got a perspective that could only come by Jesus working through Ricky and showing me what's important. And this is the body of Christ at work. See, what we don't want to say is, who are the lepers of our society? Well, let's see, Ricky could be one. People with AIDS can be one. That's not the deal. The deal is that we are all lepers, that we all pray the leper's prayer. And so I come with my need and my brokenness and my need for a touch. And Ricky comes with his brokenness and his need for a touch. And Jesus brings us together and we heal one another with the power of Christ. This is the body of Christ at work. And it looks, actually, a million different ways. Maybe you'll touch and be touched by your neighbor with cancer. Maybe you'll touch and be touched by your rebellious teenage son or daughter. Maybe by some overseas friend that you meet when you go on a mission trip, a friend who's grieving. It could be anyone. Because, as I said, we all take turns praying the leper's prayer. And we get to be part of working with Jesus to answer those prayers. But it requires, actually, that we get out of our comfort zone. Sometimes by asking for a touch, sometimes by touching what everyone tells us is untouchable or dangerous. See, Ricky is dangerous, right? Dangerous, dangerous. And so we should, when I walk up Payne Avenue, see now I know Ricky, and I know his friends. And so when I walk up in Payne Avenue, I see the guys in their hoodies and their bling and all that. I just want to run up and hug them. I know what you need. <laughs> He's <laughs> Ricky and Cortez have recommended that I not do that. But it is what they need. And unless somebody steps out of their comfort zone and takes the time to build that relationship, they'll walk around praying their version of the leper's prayer whether they know it or not.
We're part of God's kingdom. And when the world says, hopeless, worthless, unclean, dirty, untouchable, dangerous, about us or about others, we know better. We know better. We know the labels that Jesus brings. And we know that we're his hands. And we know why we're here. Now, we got a little special surprise for you today because Ricky brought a few friends with him. And they have found Jesus and found healing. And they have written some songs about it, which they're going to share with us. Enjoy. Hello. Um, thank you, guys. Uh, this is our group's called Sky High, and it's me. I'm Jamal. By the way, it's pretty loud. Hi, this is I'm Darnell. All right, no. we got a song for y'all. Can we have everybody stand up, please? Look, it's like this. Look. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, sorry to keep you waiting, I was lost in the world, I had to get my mind right, now that the time's right, it's time, time to, to praise, praise him. him, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, sorry to keep you waiting, I was lost in the world, I had to get my mind right, now that the time's right, it's time. Yo, look, I used to live up in the shy, also known as the gold. My mama looked up to the sky like God, where should we go? So we moved to Minnesota where that weather was cold. In the winters, they hit 30 below. Let me tell you some more. We're all born with our own assignment. That's why God moved me at that bad environment. My preacher said, son, you will be a minister. I looked up and said, Mr. Man, I ain't here back, back then, when I was 10, I was oh so reckless. Trying to reach for my dreams, but I still couldn't catch it. A boy to a child, I can understand. Consequences in my past turned me into a man. But it's funny how God's word is the best of me God's great but he seen me as the best of me I was a child and I found my destiny I'd be restless if he left and took the rest of me So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls Sorry to keep you waiting, I was lost in the world I had to get my mind right, now that the time's right It's time to praise him Yo, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls Sorry to keep you waiting, I was lost in the world I had to get my mind right, now that the time's right It's time get him right, uh yeah. I'm from a place where we chase after everything we see We're quick to get what we want, but never what we need Low self-esteem and insecurities is a lot More to my pain than what eyes can see They, say, they banging, they slanging, they saying pass that weed So much potential, yet nobody believes A 9 to 5 job, mommy's always gone And a 9 to 5 sales work, daddy calls home They're like, what's wrong? Must we really have to say? You keep throwing people fish, they only eat for the day But if you teach a man to fish for himself He's able to build up money, respect, power, wealth uh, as for me, I'm glad I'm just me Cause inside of me, God placed victory For those who said I'll be just like daddy Sorry daddy, but this apple fell far from the tree uh, Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls Sorry to keep you waiting, I was lost in the world I had to get my mind right, now that the time's right It's time, time to, to pray Hey, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls yeah. Sorry to keep you waiting, yeah. sorry to keep you waiting Twist this back, so excuse my absence. Woo! I've been out calm, laid back, and relaxing. Now that y'all know, I'ma show you how I shine with a mask on. You can say a blessing in disguise, a message in the hide, a way for me to shine, clarifying the next time you think about mine. As I put God first, put the devil in my path. Prayers ahead, and my knees in one's last. I'm feeling holy, and it flows right through ya. Amen. Praise God. Good night and hallelujah. Sky high, I'm feeling it all right. Keep 
my head high, lift my praises to the sky, let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, sorry to keep you waiting, I was lost in the world, I had to get my mind right, now that the time's right, it's time. Everybody sing over this one more time. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, sorry to keep you waiting, I was lost in the world, I had to get my mind right, now that the time's right, it's time to praise him. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, sorry to keep you waiting, I was lost in the world, I had to get my mind right, now that the time's right, it's time. To praise him, him. Yeah. Yo. Hey, we got a new, we got a member right here. We got a, it's our new member. Why don't you introduce yourself? Miss Ashley. Miss Ashley, y'all. Give it up for y'all. I'm praying to you, Jesus Christ. Cause if I'm living for you, yeah, I'm living right. And when we meet up in heaven, we gon' be so tight. I'm trying to give you my life, so please show me the light. I'm praying to you, Jesus Christ. Cause if I'm living for you, yeah, I'm living right. And when we meet up in heaven, we gon' be so tight. I'm trying to give you my life, so please show me the light. I'm ready to go home. Go home. See, I've been going through pain. Suffering. You can tell by my tone I used to give that he gave me for the right, not the wrong Used to things that I've been through to inspire my song In heaven we can all meet up so then we all sing along As we kneel to his knees while he's sitting on the throne Time has gone so fast yet I'm almost grown This is the last days, we won't be here for long Whether you like it or not, this is the last days If you still don't know him, you can still be safe Life is like a video game, you gotta follow instructions Obey the rules until you reach the hand, man Final level is like judgment day When you wondering, man, I wonder if I pass the final stage And the angels rejoice and they fly your way And say, welcome, you have not entered the golden gates I'm praying to you, Jesus Christ Cause if I'm living for you, yeah, I'm living right And when we meet up in heaven, we gon' be so tight I'm trying to give you my life, so please show me the light I'm praying to you, Jesus Christ Cause if I'm living for you, we from the same hood, so we share the same fears. Times is hard, but we're raised emotionless here. No bloodshed, and there's no need to shed tears. We realize our parents are struggling to survive. That's why these drug dealers get idolized. We see all of the money in the cars they drive, but what we don't see is all the pain that they carry inside. These misconceptions and lies, we always seem to collide. I wish to God the whole world could just start to believe, but instead we try to hold it all inside. But if we open up our hearts, it's God's love we'll receive. I'm understanding life now, cause I listen, I learn. We live in hell to watch my step on, don't get burned. For the best things in life, I gotta work to earn. And we'll all die someday, I just wait my turn and I'll continue to pray. Praying to you, Jesus Christ, cause if I'm living for you, I'm living right. So when we meet up in heaven, we gon' be so tight. I'm trying to give you my life, so please show me the light. I'm praying to you. Jesus Christ, cause if I'm living for you, yeah, I'm living right. And when we meet up in heaven, we gon' be so tight. I'm trying to give you my Yo, life, so please show me the light. I got a new true love, a love for the pain. When the pain goes away, I'm stuck with nothing in the game. It's still the same. Yes, no, really, you know, really, no gimmicks with God. It's just don't feel like I'm ordinary, but I still get money. I legally work, but it seems like keeping dough is keeping me out of the church. We can right now. Nobody really know it, but you're scared, though. Life's is gone, he won't show it. I'm praying to you, Jesus Christ, because if I'm living for you, yeah, I'm living right. And when we meet up in heaven, we gon' be so tight. I'm trying to give you my life, so please show me the light. I'm praying to you. Jesus Christ, cause if I'm living for you, yeah, I'm living right. So when we meet up in heaven, we gon' be so tight. I'm trying to give you my life, so please show Ashley. me the light. Jesus, you are my savior. savior. You are the one I, the one I need. Yeah. I am on my knees, so can, can you make me?
Cause if I'm living for you, that means I'm living right. right So when we meet up in heaven, we gon' be so tight I'm trying to give you my life, so please show me the light um. Thank y'all, sky high, baby Thank y'all And their prayer was answered. And for all of you who are here, who have that leper's prayer, this is the day. This is the day. If you need to be touched, if you need to be hugged, if you need to be healed, this is the day. And so I'm going to close us in prayer, and then I'm going to invite you to come right up here where there's people who are ready to touch and to hug and to pray and to heal. Let's pray together and then come forward for prayer. Father, I thank you that you are here. I thank you for what you have done in the lives of these youth. I thank you that I can be their friend. I thank you for the redemption and the healing that you've done in their lives, in my life, in our lives. It can only come through you, that transformation. I pray that we would, in a powerful way today and this week, be the church. And being the church means asking for a touch, being honest about our situation, inviting that hug, and it means reaching out to those in need and hugging and touching and loving and inviting and including. Let that be the definition of the Woodland Hills version of the church of Jesus Christ. We pray these things in his strong and powerful name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.